Welcome to this week's episode of Dead America. I'm Ed Waters, your host, and this week I'm going to talk to you content creators and consumers, but basically we're going to talk about content creation. Content creators, they're wonderful people. They influence the world. Big question to you. Do you take pride in your creation? Or are you prideful about your creation? There is a big difference. We'll talk about it. But the individual that we are going to highlight in our show today has touched everybody that is going to listen to this podcast in some way, some form, somehow, with his content creations. This man is not prideful about his creations, but he does take pride in his creation. What he puts out, why he puts it out. This man is no longer with us, but his creations will be with us forever. That's the beauty of content creation. This man, he helped the war effort. This man helped your children grow. This man took America and the world out of that depressive thought behavior pattern and started showing glimmers of hope. This man is Walt Disney. Let's get into this episode of Dead America. Born in Chicago in 1901, Disney developed an early interest in drawing. He took art classes as a boy and got a job as a commercial illustrator at the age of 18. He moved to California in the early 20s and set up the Disney Brothers studio with his brother Roy and Herb Illworks. Walt developed the character Mickey Mouse in 1928, his first highly popular success. He also provided the voice for his creation in the early years. As the studio grew, Disney became more adventurous, introducing synchronized sound, full color, three strip technicolor, feature length cartoons, and technical developments in cameras. The results, seen in features such as Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, filmed in 37, Pinocchio, Fantasia, both were filmed in 40, and Dumbo in 41, Bambi in 42, featured the development of animated films. New animated and live action films followed after World War II, including the critically successful Cinderella in 1950, followed by Mary Poppins in 1964, the latter of which received five Academy Awards. In the 1950s, Disney expanded into the amusement park industry and in 1955, he opened Disneyland. To fund the project, he diversified into television programs such as Walt Disney's Disneyland and the Mickey Mouse Club. We all remember that. 
He was also involved in planning the 1959 Moscow Fair, the 1960 Winter Olympics, and the 1964 New York World's Fair. In 1965, he began development of another theme park, Disney World, the heart of which was to be a new type of city, the experimental prototype community of tomorrow. Disney was a heavy smoker throughout his life, and he died of lung cancer in December 1966, before either the park or the Epcot project were completed. Disney was born in Chicago's Hermosa neighborhood. He was the fourth son to the Disneys. In 1906, when Disney was four, the family moved to a farm in Marsland, Missouri, where his uncle Robert had just purchased land. In Marsillan, Disney developed his interest in drawing when he was paid to draw the horse of a retired neighborhood doctor. Disney also began to develop an ability to work with watercolors and crayons. Disney and his younger sister Ruth started school at the same time at the park school in Marsland in late 1909. Then, in 1911, the Disney's picked up and moved to Kansas City, Missouri. There, Disney attended the Benton Grammar School, where he met fellow student Walter Pfeiffer, who came from a family of theater fans. He introduced Disney to the world of vaudeville and motion pictures. Before long, he was spending more time at the Pfeiffer's house than at home. Disney and his brother Roy woke up at 4.30 every morning to deliver the times before school and then repeated the round for the evening star after school. The schedule was exhausting and Disney often received poor grades after falling asleep in class, but he continued his paper route for more than six years. He attended Saturday courses at the Kansas City Art Institute and also took a correspondence course in cartooning. In mid-1918, Disney attempted to join the United States Army to fight against the Germans, but he was rejected for being too young. After forging the date of a birth on his birth certificate, he joined the Red Cross in September of 1918 as an ambulance driver. He was shipped to France but arrived in November after the armistice. He drew cartoons on the side of his ambulance for decoration. He also had some of his artwork published in the army newspaper known as the Stars and Stripes. Disney returned to Kansas City in October of 1919 where he worked as an apprentice artist 
at the Ressman Rubin Commercial Art Studio. There he drew commercial illustrations for advertising, theater programs, and catalogs. That's also where he defended fellow artist Yube Ub Iwerks. In January 1920, as Pessman Rubin's revenue declined after Christmas, Disney and Hurwitz was laid off. They started their own business, the short-lived Airworks Disney Commercial Artist. Failing to attract many customers, Disney and Airworks agreed that Disney should leave temporarily to earn more money at the Kansas City Film Ad Company, ran by A.B. Carter. The following month, Erwicks, who was not able to run their business alone, also joined the company, produced commercials using the cutout animation technique. Disney became interested in animation, although he preferred to draw cartoons such as Mutt and Jeff and Coco the Clown. With the assistance of a borrowed book on animation and a camera, he began experimenting at home. He came to the conclusion that cell animation was more promising than cutout method. Unable to persuade Carter to try cell animation at the company, Disney opened a new business with a co-worker from the film ads company, Fred Harmon. Their main client was the local Newman Theater and the short cartoons they produced were sold as Newman's Laughograms. Disney studied Paul Terry's Airsop's Fables as a model and the first six Laughograms were modernized fairy tales. In May 1921, the success of the Laughograms led to the establishment of Laughogram Studio, for which he hired more animators. The Laughogram's cartoons did not provide enough income to keep the company solvent, so Disney started production of Alice Wonderland based on Alice's adventures in Wonderland, which combined live action with animation. He cast Virginia Davis in the title role. The result? A 12 and a half minute one real film was completed too late to save Laughogram Studio, which went into bankruptcy in 1923. Disney moved to Hollywood in July of 1923. Although New York was the center of the cartoon industry, he was attracted to Los Angeles because his brother Roy was convalescing from tuberculosis there, and he hoped to become a live-action film director. Disney's efforts to sell Alice's Wonderland were in vain until he heard from New York film distributor Margaret J. Winkle. She was losing the rights to both the Out of the Inkwell and Felix the Cat cartoons and needed a new series. In October, they signed a contract for six Alice comedies with an option for two further series of six episodes each. Disney and his brother Roy form the Disney Brothers Studio.
which later became Walt Disney Company, to produce films. They persuaded Davis and her family to relocate to Hollywood to continue production with Davis on contract at $100 a month. In July 1924, Disney also hired Erwicks, persuading him to relocate to Hollywood from Kansas City. Early in 1925, Disney hired an ink artist, Lillian Bonds. They married in July of that year at her brother's house in her hometown of Lewiston, Idaho. The marriage was generally happy, according to Lillian, although according to Disney's biographer, she did not accept Walt Disney's decision meekly on his status, unquestionably, and she admitted that he was always telling people how henpecked he is. Lillian was always content with household management providing support for her husband. Their marriage produced two daughters, Diane, born in December of 1933, and Sharon, adopted in December of 1936, born six weeks previously. Within the family, neither Disney nor his wife hid the fact that Sharon had been adopted, although they became annoyed if people outside the family raised the point. The Disneys were careful to keep their daughters out of the public eye as much as possible, particularly in the light of the Lindbergh kidnapping. Disney took steps to ensure his daughters were not photographed by the press. After a request was made for new materials to distribute through Universal Pictures, Disney and Erwicks created Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, a character Disney wanted to be peppy, alert, saucy, and venturesome, keeping him also neat and trim. In February 1928, Disney hoped to negotiate a larger fee for producing the Oswald series, but found Mintz wanting to reduce the payments and also persuading many of the artists involved to work directly for him, including Harmon, Ising, Carmen Maxwell, and Fritz Freeling. Disney also found out that Universal owned the intellectual property rights to Oswald. Mintz threatened to start his own studio and produce the series himself if Disney refused to accept the reductions. Disney declined Mint's ultimatum and lost most of his animation staff, except Erwicks, who chose to remain with him. To replace Oswald, Disney and Erwicks developed Mickey Mouse, possibly inspired by a pet mouse that Disney had adopted while working in his Laugh-O-Gram studio. Although the origins of the character are unclear, Disney's original choice of name as Mortimer Mouse, but Lillian thought it was too pompous, and suggested Mickey instead, Erwick's revised Disney's sketches to make the character easier to animate. Disney, who had begun to distance himself from the animation process provided Mickey's voice until 1947. 
In the words of one Disney employee, Ub designed Mickey's physical appearance, but Walt gave him his soul. Mickey Mouse first appeared in May 1928 as a single test screening of the short Plane Crazy, but it and the second feature, the Gallopin' Goncho, failed to find a distributor. Following the 1927 sensation, The Jazz Singer, Disney used some synchronized sound on the third short, Steamboat Willie, to create the first post-produced sound cartoon. After the animation was complete, Disney signed a contract with the former executive of Universal Pictures, Pat Powers, to use the Powers Cinephone recording system. Cinephone became the new distributor of Disney's early sound cartoons, which soon became popular. To improve the quality of the music, Disney hired the professional composer and arranger Carl Stalling, on whose suggestion the Silly Symphony series was developed, providing stories through the use of music, the first in the series The Skeleton Dance, 1929. In 1930, Disney tried to trim costs by urging Erwicks to abandon the practice of animating every separate cell in favor of the more efficient technique of drawing key poses and letting lower paid assistants sketch the in-between poses. Disney asked Powers For an increase in payment for the cartoons, Powers refused and signed Erwicks to work for him. Stalling resigned shortly afterwards, thinking that without Erwicks, this Disney studio would close. Disney had a nervous breakdown in October 1931, which he blamed on Powers and his own overwork. So he and Lillian took an extended holiday to Cuba and a cruise to Panama to recover. With the loss of Powers as the distributor, Disney Studios signed a contract with Columbia Pictures to distribute the Mickey Mouse cartoons, which became increasingly popular, including internationally. Disney, always keen to embrace new technology, filmed Flowers and Trees in 1932. In full color, three-strip Technicolor, he was also able to negotiate a deal giving him the sole right to use the three-strip process until August 31, 1935. All subsequent Silly Symphony cartoons were in color. Flowers and Trees was popular with audiences and won the Academy Award for Best Short Subject Cartoon at the 1932 ceremony. Disney had also been nominated for another film in that category, Mickey's Orphans, and received an honorary award for the creation of Mickey Mouse. In 1933, Disney produced The Three Little Pigs, a film described by the media historian Adrian Danks as the most successful short animation of all time. The film won Disney another 
Academy Award in the short subject cartoon category. Disney realized the importance of telling emotionally gripping stories that would interest the audience, and he invested in a story department separate from the animators with storyboard artists who would detail the plots for Disney's films. The golden age of animation from 1934 to 1941. By 1934, Disney had become dissatisfied with producing formulaic cartoon shorts and believed a feature-length cartoon would be more profitable. The studio began a four-year production of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs based on the very popular fairy tale. When news leaked about the project, many in the film industry predicted it would bankrupt the company. Industry insiders nicknamed it Disney's Folly. The film, which was the first animated feature made in full color and sound, cost 1.5 million to produce, three times over budget. To ensure the animation was as realistic as possible, Disney sent his animators on courses. He brought animals into the studio and hired actors so that the animators could study realistic movement. To portray the changing perspectives of the background as a camera moved through a scene, Disney's animators developed a multi-plane camera which allowed drawing on pieces of glass to be set at various distances from the camera, creating an illusion of depth. The glass could be moved to create the impression of a camera passing through the scene. The first work created on the camera, a silly symphony called The Old Mill. 1937. It won the Academy Award for Animated Short Film because of its impressive visual power. Although Snow White had been largely finished by the time the multiplane camera had been completed, Disney ordered some scenes be redrawn to use the new effects. Snow White premiered in December 1937. The film became the most successful motion picture of 1938, and by 1939, its total gross of $6.5 million made it the most successful sound film made to date. Disney won another Honorary Academy Award, which consisted of one full-size and seven miniature Oscar statuettes. The success of Snow White hurled one of the most productive errors of the studio, the Walt Disney Family Museum calls the following years the Golden Age of Animation. Shortly after the release of Dumbo in October of 1941, the U.S. entered World War II. Disney formed the Walt Disney Training Films Unit within the company to produce instruction films for the military, such as four methods of flush, riveting, and aircraft production methods. Despite these efforts, 
the military films generated only enough revenue to cover cost, and the feature film Bambi, which had been in production since 1937, underperformed on its release in April of 1942 and lost $200,000 at the box office. On top of the low earnings from Pinocchio and Fantasia, the company had debts of $4 million with the Bank of America in 1944. At a meeting with Bank of America executives to discuss the future of the company, the bank's chairman and founder, Amadio Giannani, told his executives, I've been watching Disney's pictures quite closely because I knew we were lending them money far above the financial risk. They're good this year, they're good next year, and they're good the year after. You have to relax and give them time to market their product. Disney's productions of short films decreased in the late 1940s, coinciding with increasing competition in the animated market from Warner Brothers and Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer. Ron Disney, for financial reasons, suggested more combined animation and live-action productions. In 1948, Disney initiated a series of popular live-action nature films titled True Life Adventures. With Sill Island the first, the film won the Academy Award in the Best Short Subject to Real category. In 1949, Disney and his family moved to a new home in the Holmley Hills district of Los Angeles. With the help of his friends, Ward and Betty Kimball, who already had their own backyard railroad, Disney developed blueprints and immediately set to work on creating a miniature live stream railroad for his backyard. The name of the railroad? Carrollwood Pacific Railroad. Came from his home's location on Carrollwood Drive. The miniature working steam locomotive was built by Disney Studio, and Disney named it Lily Bell after his wife. After three years, Disney ordered it into storage due to a series of accidents involving his guests. Theme parks, television, and other interest from 1950 through 1966. In early 1950, Disney produced Cinderella, his studio's first animated feature in eight years. It was popular with critics and theater audiences, costing a total of $2.2 million to produce. It earned nearly $8 million in its first year. Disney was less involved than he had been with previous pictures because of his involvement in his first entirely live-action film, Treasure Island, in 1950, which was shot in Britain, as was the story of Robin Hood and his Merry Men in 1952. Other all-live-action features followed, many of them which had patriotic themes. He continued to produce full-length animated features, too, 
including Alice in Wonderland in 1951 and Peter Pan in 1953. From the early to mid-1950s, Disney began to devote less attention to the animation department, entrusting most of his operations to his key animators, the Nine Old Men. Although he was always present at story meetings, instead he started concentrating on other ventures. For several years, Disney had been considering building a theme park. When he visited Griffith Park in Los Angeles with his daughters, he wanted to be in a clean, unspoiled park where both children and their parents could have fun. Then, in March 1952, he received zoning permission to build a theme park in Burbank near Disney Studios. This site proved too small and a larger plot in Anaheim, 35 miles south of the studio, was purchased. Disney formed Wed Enterprises, now Walt Disney Imagineering, and used his own money to fund a group of designers and animators to work on the plans. Those involved became known as Imagineers. After obtaining bank funding, he invited other stockholders, American Broadcasting, Paramount Theaters, part of American Broadcasting Company, ABC, and Western Printing and Lithiographing Company. In mid-1954, Disney sent his Imagineers to every amusement park in the U.S. to analyze what worked and what pitfalls or problems there were in the various locations and incorporated their findings into his design. BAM! Construction work started in July 1954 and Disneyland opened in July of 1955. The opening ceremony was broadcast on ABC which reached 70 million viewers. The park was designed as a series of themed lands linked by the Central Main Street, USA, a replica of the Main Street in his hometown of Marcellin. The connected theme areas were Adventureland, Frontierland, Fantasyland, and Tomorrowland. The park also contained the narrow-gauge Disneyland Railroad that linked the lands. Around the outside of the park was a high berm to separate the park from the outside world. Although there were early minor problems with the park, it was a success, and after a month's operation, Disneyland was receiving over 20,000 visitors a day. By the end of the first year, it attracted 3.6 million guests. Disney went on to create many more creative projects within his lifespan. Up until his death of 1966, this man changed the world with his vision, his uniqueness, and his willingness to incorporate the ideas of others having groups of individuals with imagination, sharing his involvement 
with everybody. It's important that we get back to what Mr. Walt Disney did in his life, incorporating others and caring about how people feel. We're going to wrap it up right there. I hope you enjoyed listening about Walt Disney. There's much on this man on the internet. Just Google him and find out. And make sure you join us right here next week on Dead America. Share, like, subscribe. Ed Waters out.